Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Pretty Scary, a podcast about ghosts, death, and murder. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Carrie Martin, and Sylviana Vina. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary. Boo. Ooh, put some stank on it this time. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Adam Todd Brown. And I'm Cindy Aravina. And we are your hosts. Cindy, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I got more of a voice this time, ready to talk about the things we talk about best. Ready to talk about some upbeat stuff? Yeah, just some heartwarming family drama. Yeah, the last episode I did with Cindy involved a place that I think a lot of people would love to visit. Mm -hmm. This episode involves a place that most people don't want to visit, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Pretty opposite ends of the spectrum over here. And I'm sorry, Ohio, but you know, (laughs) you know. I've never been to Ohio. Is it really that bad? Probably not. I've been to, I've only been to Cleveland. And Mm -hmm. I didn't mind Cleveland at all. I've been there a couple times, although I did get booed for doing Trump jokes in Cleveland at the House of Blues. And I went to Dayton when I was a child, but as like a field trip kind of thing. And that was cool. But beyond that, I don't think I've been to Ohio that much. I just always hear bad things. Yeah, it seems like one of those places where just a lot of shit goes down. And they really fucked us in the 2004 presidential election. And I'll never forgive them for that. Oh, they weren't so purple then? or Oh, they were very red. They went for George Bush. <sighs> but also, we'll get into it another time. If you want to talk about a stolen election, we should talk about 2004. But neither here nor there. We're not talking about that Ohio crime <laughs> today. We are talking about the Pike County Massacre. Even the name. The name sounds very severe. Pike. Nothing good goes on. And when massacre is in the name, you know it's intense. It's not just like a double homicide or something. This is is a whole family getting wiped out, essentially. It is nuts. I have read that this is quite possibly the largest and most expensive Murder investigation and prosecution in Ohio history. Most expensive. Do we have a, a running tab on it? Or yeah, a, I don't know ballpark? who's keeping who's keeping those numbers. I just saw it mentioned that it was the most expensive. Which yeah. I don't know why. It seems like a pretty cut and dry case. Probably because there's just so many people that they have to examine and try it's like at least a few different people have to have their own trial on this yeah and just the forensic work when you're talking about the number of bodies that this involves that's got to be spendy let's get into some of the the background or before we do that i do wonder how much this story has made its way out 
in the true crime community, which I host a true crime paranormal podcast, but I also don't think I get to claim to be part of the true crime community because I don't fucking listen to podcasts. I don't know who my peers are. I don't know who my competitors are. I don't know what they're fucking doing. I'm sure there are like six episode podcasts about this case by now. Yeah, and if you want to listen to those, also go do that. But we're doing we're doing the summary episode for those of you that got a little less time on your hands. Yeah, we're doing the short Hulu documentary version as opposed to the Netflix series version. But also, I don't find a lot of that kind of true crime stuff that interesting. Where it's like, well, a murder happened. Now let me tell you about... The entire history of this family and their entire background. It's like, man, a lot of us had rough childhoods. I I don't really give a shit. Yeah, I hear you on that. It's just like, okay, yeah, people go through shit and not everyone ends up being a murderer. What do you want? Or I've referenced true crime podcasts in the course of researching this where it would just be a person like verbatim reading the courtroom testimony. Mm. And just like adding some whispery NPR words in between. And it's like, I'm just going to read that myself. That's a little bit of overkill there. Just link to it in the show notes, you know? Yeah. Let the people decide if they need that much detail. So we're going to talk about what there is to talk about. This is still an ongoing case. The first trial has not even completely finished yet. And there's another trial to come. But it's a crazy fucking story. So the background on this, on the morning of April 22nd, 2016, a woman named Bobby Joe Manley found the bodies of her ex-brother-in-law, Chris Roden Sr., and his cousin, Gary Roden, inside a trailer that belonged to Chris. After finding those bodies, Manley and a friend checked another nearby trailer and found Clarence Frankie Roden, along with his fiance Hannah Gilly, also both shot to death. There were two children in that trailer who both survived, but there was a baby in the room who was nursing at the time Mm. and was covered in blood. So they shot this woman while she was nursing a baby. And what's crazy is she is one of two women in this case who were shot while nursing a baby. Reading that especially is like, because you you read like just the number of people that were shot and you're like, why all these other extra people? We'll, we'll talk about more just like the motive behind this originally, but just like the people that got pulled into this who we don't know really had anything to do with the drama is astonishing. Yeah. And there's one quote that I didn't put in the notes because the way the article inserted it, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it kind of implied that the guy who ends up masterminding all this, who we'll get to that, he was kind of worried that if they didn't kill everybody, that family would know that his family was the one who did it and that they would come kill them. This seems like a case of one family. I mean, it is a case of one family almost mm-hmm. wiping out an entire family, but I feel like we're going to come to learn that both families probably had some wild shit in their history and in their background. It seemed like the dad in this case was like, if we don't kill them all, they will come kill our kid for killing one of their kids. Because at no point does anyone ever call the police or any authorities. 
Yeah. Throughout the course of this dispute. It's wild. Yeah, we're still in the everyone is finding all these bodies phase of everything jumping off. And yeah, I was reading this just being like, I had to like reread stuff to be like, am I understanding this correctly? Yeah, yeah. It makes very little sense. It actually only makes sense if both families are like criminals. Yeah. It's pretty obvious there is a massive mistrust of law enforcement involved in this case, at least on one side. And it seems like these were a couple of families that just handled their own shit. Yeah, it's very Wild West in that regard. They're really acting as if there's not advanced forensic investigation, as if there's not the internet, as if there's not the ability to pull up records of digital messages sent. It's all very, like, not thinking into the future or how they could get caught. Yeah. And we're not even done talking about all the people who died. Yeah. (laughs) Just buckle up. Yeah. Bobby Joe Manley's brother, James, later found the bodies of Dana Lynn Roden, their sister and Chris Roden's ex-wife, along with her son, Christopher Roden Jr., 16, and Hannah Mae Roden, 19, at a different location later that day. Christopher Roden Jr., his name is going to be important later. Mm. Remember that one. Whole lot of juniors in this, so try to keep them straight, guys. Yeah, there's juniors, there's thirds, there's fourths. Mm. This is like the Hatfields and McCoys if the Hatfields just (laughs) annihilated the McCoys in the course of one night. Oh, God. Later that day, another cousin, Donald Stone, found the body of Kenneth Roden, Chris Sr.'s brother, dead inside his trailer about 15 minutes away. So in all, eight people were found murdered. Just to recap, Christopher Roden Sr., 40, Clarence Frankie Roden, 20, Dana Lynn Roden, 37, Gary Roden, 38, Hannah Mae Roden, 19, Hannah Gilly, 20, Kenneth Roden, 44, and Christopher Roden Jr., 16. I just realized not only are two of the women who were killed in this case, not only were they both nursing at the time, they're both fucking named Hannah. Yeah. One with the H, one without. That is uh-huh. such a weird and mostly meaningless coincidence, but, but still weird. Also weird that all of the people, seven out of the eight people found dead were rodents. Only one was a non-rodent gilly. Yeah, which that speaks to probably wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember I watched a true crime episode years ago. I don't remember what the case was, but the guy involved was like a motorcycle gang dude, and he was murdered in this home invasion, but he had been out at the bar that night and brought a woman home with him. And she just, like, happened to be there in bed when these people fucking broke in and killed Uh, everybody. What a fucking tough break. Yeah. Just go home for some boning and get shot by a gang of marauders. Sucks. Awful. Yeah. Which seems like that's probably kind of what happened to Hannah Gilly. Because, yeah, she's the only non-Rodin involved in this. Was she the other mom nursing or have we not gotten to that point? She is the mom who we've already mentioned was nursing at the time she was shot. So okay, her okay. baby was completely covered in blood. Mm, okay. But there's another very weirdly similar story coming later. So the case went unsolved for a few years after that. At one point in 2016, authorities announced the discovery of illegal marijuana growing operations near the scene of the murders. 
which led some people to speculate that there were drug connections to the murders, but nothing ever came of that. At one point, they said cartel connections. I don't think that's how that works. Not in Ohio. Yeah, I don't think cartels are coming to Ohio to plant their weed. That seems like such a not cost-effective strategy. I think more they would be bringing it in to the country. Yeah. So, shockingly, that did not work out. There were no cartel connections. <laughs> the first break happened in 2017. That's when the Attorney General's office reached out to the public asking for anyone with any information to come forward regarding four individuals. George Billy Wagner III, 46, Angela Wagner, also 46, George Wagner IV, 25, and Edward Jake Wagner, 24. Why does Edward need a nickname, too? He's not they, even a George. <laughs> None of their nicknames make sense. George, Billy, <laughs> Clarence, Frankie, Edward, Jake. I'm just like, what's the logic? I get calling George Billy if there's another George in the house. But why can't we just call Edward Edward? Why do we call him Jake? Or Eddie. Yeah. Anyway, Jake, I guess. But their involvement in the case wasn't specified at the time. Press release from the attorney general's office at the time said this. Investigators are interested in receiving information regarding any interactions, conversations, dealings, or transactions that the public may have had with these individuals, which could be personal, business, or otherwise. Specifically, information could include, but is not limited to, information regarding vehicles, firearms, and ammunition. That happened in June 2017. So they were clearly saying, hey, did anyone sell any of these people anything recently? Like they're fishing, mm -hmm. but obviously they know something. And that happened in June 2017. In November 2018, all four Wagners were arrested and charged with planning and carrying out the Roden family murders. And at the time of the arrest, police... Didn't say a whole lot about a motive, but a local outlet at the time reported on the connections between the two families and said they were longtime friends and that Edward Jake Wagner was the ex-boyfriend of Hannah Roden, one of the eight who was killed, and the father of one of her children, two-year-old Sophia, who was not present at the time of the murders, and that the two were embroiled in a custody dispute when the Rodens were killed. And sure enough... It comes to pass that this custody dispute was the reason eight people were murdered over the course of about a day and a half in Ohio. So, so insane. And like, I guess we're jumping ahead, but something comes up in court that speaks to, I think, this involving a thing between two families that just aren't necessarily going to involve the police in their problems. Like, it turns out the motivation, it wasn't just a custody dispute, but the Wagner family thought there was a risk that Sophia was going to be sexually abused if she lived in that house with the Roden family. And at one point during the trial, they ask one of them, well, did you ever call Child Protective Services? And if not, why not? And they just had no answer. Like, absolutely no answer, which leads me to believe, at least on one side, this was a family who, in a situation like this, they were immediately going to go to, like, vigilante shit and handling it on their own, as opposed to going through the regular channels. 
which I think makes it make a little more sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's not how normal people operate. Mm -hmm. But this was a criminal family that did this. They weren't. This wasn't just a, you know, typical middle class family, whatever, wherever they were in the food chain in Ohio. I don't know. But it wasn't just like a family that snapped and did something crazy. No, it kind of seemed like they almost were waiting for an opportunity to pull something like this. Like, it strikes me as a family that's probably killed some people before. Could be. Could very well be. Like, to kill eight people? That's not a starter murder. No. That's that's a, I've done this before and gotten away with it, and I'll get away with it this time kind of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's just kind of been, like, murders like this uh, throughout the generations with them, but this probably seemed like a bigger one that... They got caught with, yeah, like you said, they probably just started out with maybe like one or two a piece, keep it a secret, and then, I don't know, I can't get inside the mind of a, of a killer, but once you start with one, it's not hard to keep going, it seems. Yeah. So in the years between the arrests and the trial, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode, details about the connections and the motives became a little more clear. For one thing, Jake Wagner, it turns out, started dating Hannah Mae Roden when she was 13 and conceived a child with her when she was 15. Yikes. And uh uh-oh, he was 20 at the time. So that's a problem. Yeah. And a custody dispute breaks out. Hannah refused to sign papers to share custody with Wagner. And in a Facebook message, she said, quote, they will have to kill me first. And it came out in court that Angela Wagner, the mother, actually had somehow hacked into Hannah Mae Roden's Facebook account and had seen that message. So she took that back to the family and was like, well, I guess we're going to have to kill her. I don't know. The mom is insane. They're all insane, but the mom is like, I don't know what the hell is going on there. Jake was also upset that Hannah had started dating someone else and was exposing his daughter to, quote, people that he believed she should not be around, end quote. Yeah. I mean, he's a person that people should not be around. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. (laughs) It's a no-win situation for that kid. According to Angela Canepa, a special prosecutor in the case who was speaking to the New York Times, she said the Wagner family spent months plotting to kill Hannah Mae Roden and members of her family. They bought ammunition, magazines, clips, a cell phone jammer, and parts for building silencers. So they fucking killed people before. Yeah, this is very organized, very methodic. And to be that closely tied to this family and kill eight people, and it still takes the police this long to catch on, they've fucking done this. Yes. Like you said, probably not to this scale, but... They've killed some people. There's no way they haven't. They also, again, they forged documents that said Jake Wagner would gain custody of the child in the event of Hannah Roden's death. And one thing I don't think I put in the notes, George Wagner III, who is the dad, Mm -hmm. his father is apparently one of the biggest landowners in this region of Ohio. Ah. So even though they all look like trailer park rednecks sometimes those trailer park rednecks have fucking money oh yeah oh yeah a lot of land to bury uh bodies yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they had several farms that they owned, so they had plenty of places to stash shit. As this investigation unfolds, that's probably part of what was so expensive about it. They end up searching so many different areas and finding, like, laptops in the goddamn forest. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but they find weird shit (laughs) in weird places. Also in this New York Times interview, the special prosecutor, Angela Canepa, says the Wagners were an insular family who homeschooled their children and held meetings and votes on important decisions and that there was a semblance of that in this case. And yeah, between April 21st and 22nd, 2016, all eight victims were shot in the head, some while they were sleeping. After the killings, investigators found shell casings at the Wagner residence that matched shell casings found at some of the crime scenes, as well as receipts and video evidence of the Wagners buying shoes that matched treadmarks left in blood at one of the crime scenes. In April 2021, Jake Wagner pleaded guilty to eight counts of aggravated murder, but also only confessed to personally causing five of the eight deaths. As part of a plea deal, prosecutors agreed not to pursue the death penalty and recommended instead that he serve eight life sentences without the possibility of parole. In exchange, he agreed to testify against his parents and brother. I don't know if I will ever understand that desire to avoid the death penalty in exchange for dying in prison. I think I'd rather just take the death penalty. Right, but like this person's brain is fucked. Like they don't... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're not obviously not thinking remorsefully about what they did or like the gravity of their actions of the people that they did kill. They're just thinking about themselves and all they know is like being alive. And I think to accept that you should be dead as a result of this is almost like admitting defeat. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe you have some hope that you're going to get released or exonerated or something. Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I don't think it's good to homeschool your kids. They don't get socialized properly. No, these kids definitely seem like they did not. Mm -hmm. They did not interact with kids properly at all. So they were religious, too. Maybe we're talking about this later in the notes, but they were religious. Like, the mom was, I know, pretty religious. The mom constantly told the kids that they were going to hell for Mm -hmm. making Jesus cry. Yeah. So maybe it's like, let me prolong going to hell. And just stay alive in jail because hell's going to be worse than this. Yeah, that could legitimately be it. Mm-hmm. They know they're going to hell for this. Oof. So in September 2021, Angela Wagner pleaded guilty to charges of conspiracy, aggravated burglary, unlawful possession of dangerous ordinance, tampering with evidence, forgery, obstructing justice, and engaging in a pattern of corrupt activity. Oh, what pattern? <laughs> You know, all that other stuff you just listed. (laughs) And so as part of her plea deal, she agreed to testify in return for a 30-year prison sentence. And here's a quote from Angela Canepa that we've already kind of said. It's very hard to explain. Quite honestly, in most custody cases, people get an attorney and just battle it out in court. She also added that the upcoming trial would be the first time people get to hear all of the facts of the case. So there are two trials that are going to happen because there's four people involved. Two of them already have pleaded guilty and are going to be sentenced. So there's the trial of George Wagner IV, who is the brother of Jake. Mm -hmm. 
that trial has already happened, and we're going to talk about that right. next. There's also the trial of George Wagner III, the father. That has not happened yet. That is yet to come. But the trial of George Wagner IV, God damn it, this is confusing. It's <laughs> I guess we can just call him jo- No, I'm not. I'm not. Well, the third just- is Billy, right? Yeah, but still. It's so much. Everyone's turned the podcast off by now. (laughs) This is like Game of Thrones. Everyone looks alike and talks alike and has similar names. I can't follow it. So Great job on the notes, Adam. You you did kind of keep it all straight for me. (laughs) Reading this, I was just like, wait, what? Who's that? We have another person now? What? Let's talk about this trial. The trial of George Wagner IV began in September. And a lot of the testimony has been provided without the media being allowed to view or record it which I think also kind of speaks to this being a pretty powerful family that was able to afford pretty good lawyers. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that part of it. Yeah, because they had some coins. Some interesting details have still managed to come out. Jake Wagner was among the earliest to take the stand, and one of his biggest revelations was what he talked about in regards to his relationship with his father growing up. He claimed his dad basically taught him how to be a criminal and at the age of 10 taught him how to pick locks. He taught him how to steal trucks. He claimed he helped his father burn the family house down for insurance money twice as a child. And I think weird twist here that I think speaks to both of these families being a little on the the sketchy side of the law. The second time they burned their house down for insurance money, Chris Roden Sr., acted as the witness and called 911. Wow. So these families were not only close, they were like participating in crimes together. Yeah, it's like a movie. It's like a Bronx tale. It is, yeah. I would be shocked if this doesn't become a movie at some point, but they'll fuck it up somehow. They'll like let Eli Roth do it and he'll make it a (laughs) horror movie about how Satan made them kill these eight people. It's like, no, that's not it. Not not at all. No, these are just sick people. He also testified about being homeschooled by his mother and how instead of administering required state exams, she would just take them for him. Here's a quote. I wasn't doing that crap. I didn't need it. I was a truck driver and a farmer. I didn't need those things. I guarantee that's a perfect Jake Wagner. Yes. Gotta be. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they're like closer to the Kentucky half of Ohio, probably. That's the essence of how they speak, I'm sure. Yeah, they're just um, special breed, these people. <laughs> I don't really like to like trash people's looks that much, but like you guys should look up what these people look like because it's, it's a little squidbilly-ish. Yeah, Jake looks like Taylor Swift if she was a <laughs> dude who sold meth in the Appalachia region of uh, the United States. It's very strange. Oh, my God, the accuracy of that. You're going to look at the picture and be like, wow, Adam nailed it. Adam really nailed it. He's just got that face. He's got a Taylor Swift face. Yes. So he also claimed that his parents didn't believe in going to doctors. And that that surprising. When he was a child, they would mend his injuries and wounds with duct tape. (laughs) 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 That's redneck as shit. Yeah. He also said his father once sold $100,000 worth of stolen goods in Mexico and buried some of the money there. Why not bury it closer to home? Get all that farmland. Why'd you leave it in Mexico? Yeah. I'm like, is there like fetal alcohol syndrome rampant in this family? I really wonder. Almost certainly. Yeah. Regarding the killings, Jake testified that his brother and mother did not do any of the shooting. 
On the way to the crime scene, he claimed his dad pulled the car over and confirmed that Jake really wanted to go through with it, and he said he did. And while he did testify that his brother didn't shoot anyone, he also added that it was only because his brother froze when it was his time to shoot someone. He was supposed to shoot Chris Roden Sr. and couldn't go through with it. Jake, again, claimed he was afraid his daughter would be subjected to sexual abuse if she lived with her mom and decided Hannah Roden had to die. He said he crept into Hannah's room, and when he did, she woke up and looked him in the face. That's when he shot her in the head. He then repositioned her body so her five-day-old baby could continue nursing. So Hannah Mae Roden was also nursing a very freshly newborn baby. Brand new baby. At the time, she was shot and killed. And, like, I don't know, that thing where he repositions the body, it's like, man... It's sick. It's really sick. Yeah. Interesting how Fox News was the only publication to add that detail in. Yeah, that's that's lurid reporting right there. Mm-hmm. Rough. And this is her baby, obviously, with another man that Jake was, like, jealous of and was convinced was going to harm his daughter. And they never say if, like, these people that they were so wary of had, like, a history of doing that it was all just like their belief that this is what was going to happen and this is the kind of shit that does happen but like usually you're not really going to be like worried about that happening unless you've heard that it's been happening to people before right and another person who took the stand jake's ex-wife he was apparently married for a while she said (laughs) well after these murders happen Oh, because it's been like six years. That's true. Yeah, it happened in 2016. The Wagner family picked up and moved to Alaska for Mm -hmm. a while after these murders. And that's where Jake met this woman that he briefly married. She was there for a year getting her GED. Because you know how you can only get a GED in Alaska. Mm -mm. And she said Jake told her that he and his family moved to Alaska because he was under suspicion of murder. Because of the Roden family killings. And it's like, dude, you're still in the United States. That's not how that works. Like you need yeah. to, you need to cross the border into Canada if you're fleeing prosecution. Alaska will absolutely extradite you to Ohio. But yeah, just oh my God. And she also claims that at one point Angela Wagner, and this is interesting, accused her of touching Jake's daughter inappropriately and that Jake confronted her and told her if it was true, he would recreate the spiked baseball bat from The Walking Dead, string her up in the garage and beat her to death with it, and then hunt down her entire family and kill them too. She also said Jake told her to cut off contact with her family and that if they ever showed up, he would kill them. I also forgot to mention he also took possession of her social security card after they were married and installed software on her phone that allowed him to monitor it at all times. Psycho. So this guy was nuts. And I think the part where Angela Wagner accuses her of molesting this kid is also really important Mm -hmm. because later on, we're going to hear why Angela Wagner thought Sophia was being molested Mm -hmm. at Hannah Mae Roden's house. And like I've raised kids I've helped raise kids. I've changed diapers. And what Angela Wagner is describing sounds like the kind of thing that can happen in the course of changing a diaper. Okay. And it seems like maybe 
when the Wagner family changed diapers, they maybe didn't take the same step, Mm. which would speak to two different women being accused of inappropriately touching this child. It's very weird. It's very strange. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. You are so fucked. And let's talk about Angela Wagner. She's already taken the stand. And one of her bigger revelations was that she claims the murders were completely her husband's idea, George Wagner III. But about those molestation claims, here's what she said regarding why she thought Sophia was being abused. She said Sophia would come home from Hannah's place and her genital area was always red and had strong odors. And then she claimed all of that would subside when Sophia was home with them. And she's the one who, when they asked why she never called Child Protective Services, she was like, oh, no, which speaks to this being a family that just doesn't do that. Yeah. They just don't involve law enforcement. And there's something else that comes up in later testimony that speaks to that, too. But, like, I know when you're changing a baby, there's, like, I think it's called desitin is a thing you sometimes have to also put on a child to keep them from, like, chafing or if there's, like... It's like diapers get wet and messy. Yeah. And like, is it like to prevent diaper? I've never changed a diaper. Yeah, it's so. like, I think it's like a diaper rash kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like, it could have been a thing where she was like getting diaper rash because the people at Hannah Mae Roden's place yeah. weren't doing the right thing. Like, it's just weird that two different women got accused. I mean, in Hannah Mae Roden's case, the accusation isn't her, that she was doing it, mm-hmm. but two different people who were taking care of this kid both get accused of touching her inappropriately. And I guarantee it was something along these same lines. I mean, you don't know that for sure. But if so, I think that probably speaks more to like differences in how you take care of the child Mm -hmm. as opposed to actual molestation. But I don't know. I don't know. Either way, fucking call the authorities if you think that's happening. Don't sign off on the murder of eight fucking yeah. people. It's like if you don't want your kid to end up in the system, maybe think about the other actions you're trying to take. Yeah. And so then George Wagner the Fourth testified in his own defense because his first trial is his trial. And despite not pulling the trigger, he's still charged with murder on account of helping to plan it and cover it up. And he, just like Jake, testified about his father teaching him all the ways of a criminal as a child, but also added that his mother was a taskmaster who constantly told him he was going to hell for making Jesus cry. He also described his brother Jake as rude and arrogant and with no filters. Thinks he's better than everyone else, is a quote from The Stand. He also, and this is the part that I also think speaks to this just being a family that is never going to call the authorities. He said after his homeschooling was done, His father prevented him from entering his career path of choice, which was game warden. And the reason his dad didn't want him to do that is because he didn't want anyone in the family wearing a badge. Mm. And he felt like all law enforcement is crooked. And this reminds me of that thing where Republicans will be like, abolish the FBI. And I'm like, yeah, I agree, but probably not for the same reasons you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And this is the same thing where it's like, yeah, the police are sus, but it doesn't mean you get to kill eight people in yes, an act exactly. of vigilante justice. Like, that's not how it fucking works, pal. And on the stand, he actually, through a 
kind of a monkey wrench into things and said he actually had no knowledge of his family's involvement in the murders. When asked if they discussed the plan with him in advance, he claimed they did not. This is a quote. I never would have believed my family would be capable of doing something of this magnitude. Theft is one thing. Murder is an entirely different thing. When asked what he would have done if he did know about it, he said, I never would have let it happen. One way or another, I would not have let it happen. Do we believe him? No, no, no. because they voted no. on everything. They're all like enmeshed with each other. I, I don't believe this guy. And apparently under cross-examination, the prosecution played a recording because at one point the authorities had their suspicions that this family did it mm-hmm. and they started surveilling them. And the prosecution played a recording after he said he had no involvement and didn't know of any of the planning where he was like, we got to cut the head off the snake to kill it. Jeez. And he's just like ranting about having to murder these people. So this guy's going to prison, even though he chickened out and didn't kill it. I don't know if I want to say chickened out is the way. <laughs> Come on. Come on, pussy. Why didn't you kill that guy? It's good that he didn't. So near the end of the trial, text messages were entered into evidence that showed the custody dispute actually started before Sophia was even born. This is a actual text that Jake sent to Hannah. I done told you she's living with me now. You can live with us or not. That's your choice. And Hannah replied and told Jake it would be a big mistake to try and take Sophia away. To which Jake replied, Hannah, I'm telling you right now, make a choice. Make now, if you do this, it's over, and I'll take Sophie, and if I have to, by force. What's interesting here, though, there's all that talk about molestation. In one text exchange, Jake specifically says he doesn't want Sophia living under the same roof as Hannah's brother, Chris Jr. This is a quote. (laughs) I'm not living there with your brother. Sophia ain't living there with your brother. At least no one at my house would hurt a baby or you, so I'm living at my place till I build a house with Sophia, you can live with me. And what's interesting is instead of pushing back and being like, no one's going to hurt her living here, she writes back and says, well, I'm not having cursing around her. I'm not having arguing around her. I'm not having fights around her either. And like, it obviously doesn't justify murdering an entire family in bed while they sleep. But it seems like there might have been some legitimate concern around this kid's safety in that house. Yeah, but none of the stuff ever, like, is explained or comes to light. So it's just like, I don't know. Well, but also, because- this this is a text exchange between two people under the age of 25. Like, their brains are still hardening and they're not good at, like, texting or expressing themselves. Yeah, they should have called the authorities. Yes, yes. If there was actual concern that Chris Roden Jr., who was the 16-year-old who was among the eight people who was killed, Mm -hmm. that text exchange does, to me, at least kind of imply that there had been some sort of accusations about Chris Jr., Mm-hmm. And like she doesn't really push back against him, and that I don't know. It's just an interesting detail. It doesn't yeah. change the fact that you don't go murder an entire family. I know the police aren't always the most trustworthy, but in this case, you're not calling the police. Call a fucking social worker. 
Yeah. Because then you can have at least like court orders that the baby cannot be near this younger brother. And if nothing else, if you take that extra step, when these murders hit the court of public opinion, at least people will be like, man, they tried to call authorities and they didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. But no, you just jump to fucking murder. And the testimony of his ex-wife makes me suspicious that maybe they were just seeing a like baby care step taken on this baby that they weren't doing when she was home with them. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. And like the one person on the stand talked about how like Hannah confided in her. It was I think it was Hannah's cousin confided in her that Jake was abusive and controlling and would like choke her and like push her against walls and stuff. So it was going to be a bad situation for this kid, no matter what, it seems. Yeah. This kid was always going to have a hard life and have fucked up parents. Yeah. It's obviously a very tragic story. And mm-hmm. it's still developing. The state and defense have both rested their case in the trial of George Wagner the fourth. Uh-huh. The jury was sent home Friday, which is yesterday as we record this, without having to do, like, they didn't force them to decide that day. And this week is Thanksgiving, so they get that entire week off. And then closing arguments start Monday, November 28th. So remains to be seen if George Wagner IV is going to be convicted of murder mm-hmm. in this case. I feel like he's probably going to be. The dad's definitely fucking going to jail because the dad, it seems like, is the one who shot the other three people. But stay tuned. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I'm sure there are, if I find any podcast series that are like following it closer, I'll link to it, I guess. I mean, if you're a loyal listener, you won't listen to that other podcast. Never. Yeah. And I have actually installed software on all of your phones that will tell me if you do. So just be advised of that. But yeah, we'll keep up with the story. I think the state has rested their case. That's kind of where it's at now. Everyone take the week off. Relax. <laughs> stuff like this, it makes me wonder, like, there has to be stuff like this that happens in other countries that we're just not up on or privy to because we're so like concerned with what happens in this country. But I know that this is not an everyday occurrence, but uh, I really wonder what makes people think that they can get away with something like this in today's day. Yeah, I wonder that. And also, I think this is a good Like, once this comes out, me and Carrie, a couple weeks ago, we'll have released an episode about a murder that happened in Las Vegas, where this investigative reporter got murdered by the head of the Clark County, I forget the name of the office, but his office just, like, dealt with wills and estates. Mm -hmm. Like, if you died without a will, this was the county department that dealt with it. And this investigative reporter reported on this guy like bullying his employees and having an inappropriate affair. Nothing that major, like nothing that was going to send this guy to prison. And that guy he reported on stabbed that motherfucker seven times in front of his home in broad daylight. And the big takeaway from that story, and I think this story also, is you never really know who you're dealing with. Like you might think... Okay, this family's crazy, but they're not going to, like, kill anyone over a custody dispute. And it's like, yeah, they will. 
That like, one will. If, yeah. if they're giving you those indications that they might, they probably will. And in that Las Vegas case, that guy didn't really have anything in his background that would have spoke to him being a murderer. And the stuff that reporter reported on wasn't that inflammatory. So you wouldn't immediately go to, oh, well, of all the shit this guy's covered, it's going to be that guy who would have killed him. But they still did. There was something about that guy where they were like, I bet he did it. I bet he's the one who did it. Like his colleagues were like, I bet it's that fucking low level county supervisor guy. Yeah. Which there had to just be something about him that when people talked to him, they were like, ooh, you're going to murder someone someday, aren't you? And like, don't discount that. Like if you meet someone and you get that feeling in your gut where you're like, God, I think this person might be crazy enough to kill somebody someday. Fucking don't deal with them. Don't be friends. Yeah. Don't have them on your L.A. bar shows. Don't fucking invite them into your home to watch your kids. Don't do any of that shit. Like just no. trust your gut. People, yes. Some people are bad. Yeah. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. Yeah. Don't, don't try to find the good. That's <laughs> no one does that anymore. No. Yeah. Just trust your gut. In situations like that, it will serve you well. If you get a bad feeling about a person, it's probably because they're bad. Yeah. Don't let them talk you out of it. Just fucking run. Just run. And yeah, I don't know. I know we'll find out more about this. I am interested to find out more about the family that was killed, the Roden family. Yeah. Because it's a they're a pretty large family. It's a big family, and there is a lot of suggestion that Chris Roden Sr. And George Wagner the Third were like working together on criminal shit, mm. which I think would also speak to George Wagner the Third's fear that if they just like killed her, that the rest of the family would know they were the ones who did it, and they would come kill their kid. Wild, <laughs> fucking wild, Ohio. Goddamn. Jeez, guys. But uh, I think that's our episode for now. I mean, if anything really interesting comes out, we'll do a follow-up. But otherwise, just, you know, keep tabs on it. It's all public information. You can go Google it. We'll link to the articles we used for this, which are a lot of local news outlets and things of the like. But the New York Times did a pretty lengthy write-up about mm -hmm. this also. We'll link to all that. It's a crazy story. Very sad. Yeah. I really feel for the kids that, you know, the intention was to help them and get them out of a bad situation. But now, like... There's like two motherless kids and they're just wards of the system now as a result of this. Yeah. Yeah. If you're worried about the well-being of a child, certainly don't send them into the American foster system or wherever yeah. this kid is going. That's not. It's rough. That's not the move. So I think that's it. Yeah. Cindy, thank you so much. I'm glad <laughs> you're feeling better. Oh, me too. Me too. For plugs, I want to plug my Substack, adamtoddbrown.substack.com. You can subscribe to my newsletter there called In Broad Daylight. And right now everything's for free, but there will be a paywall eventually. I mean, you can give me money now if you want, but go read my writings, please. Yeah. He's a good and, writer, guys. Yeah. I started my whole career as a writer at crack.com. I've been, I've been doing this shit for 15 years. The first You're thing I got paid to write was 2007. Wow. On Thanksgiving. Well, so well, I am... Fast approaching my 15th year in comedy writing. So trust me, my sub stack is good. Go sign up for it. Or just go yeah. read it right now. You don't even have to sign up. And also at Adam Todd Brown on 
Instagram. That's Todd with one D. I've been trying to use Instagram more. I'm not my biggest following is on Twitter. I'm verified on Twitter, but ugh, I can't do Twitter it. Twitter is Twitter is doing its thing right now. Who yeah. knows where it'll be when this episode comes out? Yeah, people are gonna have to follow me somewhere else. <laughs> Substack or Instagram, please. I'm not using TikTok either. I'm not trying to get thrown in a Chinese labor camp. You kidding me? <laughs> Cindy, what do you got to plug? You can just follow me at Cindy Aravina Jr. on all social media platforms if you haven't already. Um, I have a show in L.A. called Kitty Pool. We don't have a venue for it currently, but I'm sure that we will find something in 2023. So just stay tuned on that. But yeah, just follow me. Listen to all my episodes of Pretty Scary. And just, I don't know, hopefully other good shit will come for me. Putting it out we there. Don't, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. What are we fucking mind readers? Fortune tellers? <laughs> we don't know what Cindy's going to be up to in the next few months. Fuck you! Yeah, but also we love you. <laughs> also, thank you for listening so much. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, don't forget, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash unpops, unpopsnetwork.supergas.tech, or right in your Spotify app. You can get bonus episodes and me and Carrie, me and you got to do some episodes too, but me and Carrie have a spinoff show called Light Anomaly, which Ooh. is a Ghost Adventures Rewatch podcast. Oh. And there are about 26 seasons of Ghost Adventures, and we're watching them in chronological order. So there is room to join that party. Me and Cindy yeah. will do some Ghost Adventures episodes soon. It's I've never even times. done a first watch of any of them, so that could be very fun. Oh, Ghost Adventures is the premier ghost hunting show on television, provided oh, you like yes. your ghost hunting shows hosted by the ghost hunting equivalent of dane cook basically <laughs> oh well that's fine that's fine whatever He's current fine. dane cook or when i was 13 years old dane cook 13 yeah okay yeah, older dane cook yeah, best yeah, dane yeah. cook yes yeah good dane cook those yeah. first couple <laughs> albums those first couple dane cook albums are so good they changed my whole life guys they did they did i'm, I'm not ashamed to say they did so let's get the fuck out of here cindy let's get out of here say goodbye good bye and have a happy holidays Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Enjoy all that fucking turkey. Yeah. You know, I actually don't like turkey that much. A lot of people don't like turkey. <laughs> <laughs>